Let me talk to you a little bit about my Patriot supply. Stu has more than than soy sauce now, which I is what, what he started at. He has duck sauce as well. Mm-hmm. Any oh. fortune cookies in there? I mean, the fortune cookies are really tasty, so those usually get eaten with a meal. But you know, there's always extra soy sauce they put in there, so I've been saving that, and that's how I can prepare for the apocalypse. Okay, have you right thought about taking corner? another step? Maybe calling, like ordering more Chinese food. No, and then getting like more of the packets? calling. You know, my Patriot Supply. Mm, do they sell duck no, sauce? They, they probably do, actually. <laughs> but they have a three-month emergency food kit. Uh, Stu's going to starve to death. That's fine. Um, I don't think it's fine. I don't think that's the word for it. <laughs> well, you, you're right. You won't starve to death. We'll kill you and eat you. Not me, but those who live around you and have followed your example of nothing in the cabinet to be ready. Um, get their three-month emergency food kit right now. They also sell biomass stoves, off-grid room heaters, power outages. Uh, come by and you need your water filter. They are at heirloom seeds. They have all the survival gear you need at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We have a big hour for you. Vivek Ramaswamy joins us in just a few minutes to talk about central bank digital currency. And then we have Ron DeSantis on, who is going to bring us up to speed on, hey, how do we uh, not get into World War III? That's all this hour. Stand by. First, let me tell you about our sponsor. It is Preborn. Miracles happen every single day. 200 babies are being saved every day because of you from being aborted. You can't tell me that's not a miracle. Preborn offers free ultrasounds so expecting moms get to meet their unborn child and hear his or her little heart beating. But that's not all. They also offer these mothers the help they need when choosing life for a full two years. 60% of moms who have gone through abortion said they wish they wouldn't have done it but they felt they were trapped. There was no support. Well, let's make that difference. This all starts with a $28 donation. That's the price of an ultrasound. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 
will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping rescue 200 babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. Vivek Ramaswamy, how are you, sir? Doing well, Glenn. How are you? <laughs> I am, well, <laughs> I'm coming down with something, but uh, but, uh, but other than that, great. Other than that, great. Um, so, uh, Vivek, let's talk a little bit about CBDCs, because you are coming out today, if I am not mistaken, uh, with your uh, digital currency um, policy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that that I think is important for us to understand as we go forward as a country. Where are the threats to liberty? Where are they emerging? Because many of them are backdoor threats, Glenn. They're not the same front door threats of big government in the past. So you and I have talked for years at this point about the threats posed by the ESG movement and the capture of capital markets through ordinary dollars. Well, part of that whole agenda was about using the market to advance agendas that the government could not implement through the front door under the Constitution. Same thing as their capture of big tech. Well, think about the combination of those two now when it comes to the capture of our own currencies. There's a push in the United States and in other Western countries like the UK as well to adopt what are called central bank digital currencies. Well, I'm dead set against it. The reason they're saying they want to do it is that China's doing it and that we need to catch up to them or else we're going to fall behind technologically. We have to ask ourselves why the heck China is doing this in the first place. And here's the answer. It's to be able to penalize citizens in their bank account with the ultimate social credit score, the amount of money you have in your bank, if you're doing something that the government doesn't like, if you're engaging in speech or in a protest that the government does not approve of, like the white sheet revolution in China, for example, wiping out the amount of financial assets you have as a way of exercising power and dominion. So I don't want to see that happen in the U.S. And one of the things they'll say is, isn't that going to lead the dollar to be less strong? No, it's actually the opposite. The dollar will be more strong if it is actually a currency that cannot be taken over by the whim of the government. And so while I'm dead set against central bank digital currencies, I am for the rise of alternative currencies that people are able in a freedom-loving country and world to be able to avail themselves of decentralized private cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and otherwise, that the government is threatened by, that's good. And I think that we should want more competition to the existing system without the government regulating it out of existence. But what we should be against is the government creating a central bank digital currency of its own. And Glenn, I think these are new threats to liberty, and I do think it's going to take someone from the next generation, if I may say, from my generation, to lead us forward to understand where the new threats to liberty present themselves, because it's not 1980 anymore, and we need to wake up to these new threats today. I I will tell you, you know I'm a fan of yours. That's not an endorsement, obviously, but I am a fan of yours, and I do like the fact that you are from a younger generation that um sees what's coming over the horizon especially with your um your background um so what do you what do you suggest happens with digital assets because right now i you know if i had bitcoin but i lost it in a boating accident um i wouldn't want to pull it out because honestly i don't know 
exactly the tax thing. I, I, yep. It is such a hassle. Um, and I think they're doing that intentionally to... Of course they're doing it intentionally. Correct. Of course they're doing it intentionally. So, Glenn, this is another example of the cancerous administrative state. If the people of this country want to vote through the front door and say, hey, we don't want this, we don't want Bitcoin or other alternatives to the dollar to be traded in the U.S., which I don't think most people in this country would ever say, but if they did, fine, that's the law of the land. But that's not the way it's working right now. It's the administrative state, those three-letter agencies like the SEC, that are through the back door deciding that they want to shadow government utilize legislating them out of existence, but not through the front door. So they're applying a set of regulatory standards that Congress never actually authorized to backdoor silence the new kinds of currencies that people use as alternatives to the U.S. dollar. And I think that that's a violation of the cardinal rule of our Constitution. The laws are passed through the front door, not through the back door. So what we need is regulatory clarity. It's shameful that you have a chairman of the SEC right now, Gary Gensler, who refuses even in his testimony before Congress to say whether Ethereum is or is not a security for the purpose of securities laws. Ambiguity is the friend of tyranny. And so when you have regulators that get to make up after the fact the regulations that they're enforcing, that's what we're seeing in the energy sector. It's what we're seeing in the healthcare sector. It's what we're seeing across the U.S. economy. It's something that would make our founding fathers roll over in their graves. We're a nation of laws. And if you want to ban something, ban it through the front door. Don't use the regulatory shadow government of people who are never elected to their positions to do it instead. And so one of the things that I'm actually going to, I swear an oath to the Constitution as the next president, Glenn, if I'm elected. Well, one of the things that the most important Supreme Court case of our lifetime, it came out last year, was West Virginia versus EPA. And that held that if Congress has not given a three-letter agency the power to issue a regulation, but they're doing it anyway, that regulation is unconstitutional. Well, the good news is on day one of my administration, we rescind all of the regulations that fail that test. That's a majority of the regulations that are on the books today. Wow. And by the way, we're going to fire 75% of the people who are working in that apparatus too. That's how we restore our constitutional republic. And I know that might sound scary to some people or extreme, but if somebody's not offering an extreme proposal or a proposal that sounds extreme, it means they're not really serious about taking on the deep state. And I think that's what it's going to take to get the job done. So you are announcing today freedom to code, freedom to financial self-reliance, and freedom from regulatory overreach. That's right. And I'm going to be speaking tomorrow at the Bitcoin, at the, at the blockchain summit in Texas, and offering what I think should be not just a Republican vision, it's a pro-liberty vision to say that, you know what, I'm the U.S. president. I want the dollar to remain the reserve currency of the world. Our national debt is creating a lot of doubt about that. But one of the best ways we do it isn't by stifling competition to the dollar. It's by saying that we actually like holding our feet to the fire through accountability so people who do want to opt out of that system by holding Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies can do so without fear of regulatory, fundamental regulatory tyranny. And I think that that's good for the U.S. dollar in the long run. It's good for our country in the long run. That's what Thomas Jefferson, he was a big proponent of financial self-reliance. That's a Thomas Jefferson, who was, by the way, 33 years old when he signed the Declaration of Independence, inventing the swivel chair while he was at it. These were innovators. And I think that the innovators who founded this country would embrace the exact policy agenda that I'm rolling out tomorrow morning to say that more competition is good, not bad. 
and we shouldn't want these regulators choking currency alternatives to the U.S. dollar out of existence. So it's a little unfair because uh, I haven't asked uh, Nikki Haley to come on and and actually explain this to me. Um, and, but we're reaching out to her today. Um, the she just recently said that all the code for social media should be transparent. It's a little ambiguous if she meant it just for the government or for everybody. Uh, and the other is she, for national security purposes, believes everyone should have to be verified as a user and your name should be, you know, uh, your name on social yeah. platforms. What do you think of that? That sounds like something Xi Jinping would say. And I think that there is a deep ideological divide right now in the GOP. And I think it's good for us to smoke it out. It's not an attack on anybody. And even people listening may disagree with me on this. That's okay. This is a good debate for us to have in our party. Do you want to go to the Dick Cheney version of the post-Patriot Act surveillance state where, you know, our founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, James Madison, they wrote the Federalist Papers under pseudonym. I think you should have the freedom to do that in this country. It's part of what it means to be free, especially in an increasingly tyrannical government environment. Nikki Haley disagrees with that. She thinks you should be required to actually identify yourself before you post something on the Internet or online and disclose to the government for national security reasons. Anytime somebody's using those words national security for an infringement on liberty domestically, I'm dead set against it, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat saying it. Same thing when it comes to the questions of censorship. I think there are other candidates who believe that if there's speech we disagree with, that the right answer is to censor it. I say a lot of the speech we're seeing is heinous in this country, even in recent weeks. But the right answer is never censorship. It is always more speech, not less speech. And I think this is all in the backdrop of a divide when it comes to foreign policy in our country, Glenn, is I think that there are some who believe that it's the job of the U.S. to be the global hegemon in places like Ukraine and elsewhere, making the decisions of intervening in somebody else's conflict that doesn't advance the American interest. And I'm dead set against that. I believe that my sole moral duty as the next U.S. president is to the Americans right here at home in our homeland. And those things go together because it's that foreign policy vision that also allows them to invoke national security as an excuse to really infringe on our liberty here at home. And I think it's good for us to have this debate in this GOP primary season now. Do you want to go the direction of the George Bush, Dick Cheney vision of the Republican Party, as some do? I'm not in that camp. I want to lead us to the Republican Party of the future, where the Republican Party stands for standing for the interests of American citizens here at home by reviving the founding ideals. And yes, that includes the First Amendment above all, and that we will stand for that without apology. And so it's fair to say she and I have a very different vision on this. And you know, I personally believe that mine is more consistent with the founding vision of this country. And if we revive that, that's how we reignite and reunite our country. That's why I'm in this. When we um, when we look at our our founding vision, it required us to have a moral center. We don't really have a moral center anymore. Um, everything is up for grabs. Our our police are you know in disarray. There was a huge mm-hmm. mob in Detroit. I think it was last night or the night before. Firefighters arrived to use the jaws of life to get these people out of a horrible car wreck. The people started throwing rocks at them, uh, and the driver died. I mean, you know, th- this we so, we have decayed. So how do we how do we get this back uh, to where we all feel we have personal responsibilities, not just rights? Absolutely, and, and rights and responsibilities go hand in hand together. But we've forgotten the responsibility part of that, Glenn. 
So some of this isn't going to be done by the president. I mean, they think the president, half the job is policy, but half the job is also the national character that we create, the example that we set. I think it's been a long time since we've had a president where I could look my sons in the eye and tell them, I want you to grow up and be like him, frankly. And I think that that's the, that's the standard mm-hmm. I want people to hold me to. If I'm the next president, that's a high standard. But I also think that part of this comes from pastors, parents, teachers, coaches across the country stepping up as well. The conservative movement, I think we've fallen short where for a long time we will complain about the left's agenda of race, gender, sexuality, climate. I want us talking more about the individual, family, nation, God. See, individual, family, nation, God, that beats race, gender, sexuality, and climate if we have the courage to actually stand for something, not just against what the other side puts up. And what I'm seeing, Glenn, I'm traveling college campuses. I've probably into more college campuses than any Republican candidate who's run in our history. And you think that people in that next generation, the assumption that many people have is they're against these shared American values and they're leftist progressives. What I see is something that's slightly different. They are lost. They are directionless, rudderless, mm-hmm. hungry for some direction and purpose and meaning. And so if we can have the courage to actually not just condemn what the left is filling that vacuum with, and I've done that too. I'm not criticizing other people. This is a self-reflection. I've done a lot of that, including in the books I've written that you know and otherwise. Now we need to level up and say, here's a vision of our own. And young people, especially, Glenn, will flock in our direction if we actually give them something to believe in. And that's part of what I'm trying to do in this race and hopefully in leading this country that's how we actually revive that moral core. I've got about 40 seconds. I just have to ask you, there's an editorial in the Wall Street Journal today, an, an op-ed that says we need to take uh, Gazans into America. We haven't taken our share of those fleeing from the Middle East, and those Palestinians from Gaza need to come here. I'm against it. And I think that we have our own issues to deal with here at home. The number one lesson we need to learn is if that can happen to Israel, what happened was wrong, it was subhuman, and it was a failure of defense and border defenses, that could happen right here at home with 70,000 special interest alien apprehensions from Middle Eastern countries on our own border. So I'm far more concerned with protecting our own borders in this country than to increase what already is too high of a refugee and humanitarian intake of immigrants to this country. It's wrong. We should, that would be a step in the wrong direction. My view is that to the contrary, though, Israel needs to be able to defend itself to the fullest. We should stand diplomatically for Israel's right to do so. But that's different from saying that we need to bring a bunch of Gazans to the United States of America. Yeah. That's wrong. And we have our own issues to deal with here at home. And that's my moral obligation as the next president Vivek, to look after American interests here. Vivek Ramaswamy, thank you so much. As always, Vivek uh, 2024, V-I-V-E-K. People call it vivek all the time it's vivek 2024.com vivek thank you so much thank you glenn god bless legacy box wants to take your preservation of family history to the next level right now with their black friday early access sale you can convert your tapes and your films and your reels to digital for just nine dollars a piece Friends and family are going to be gathering up for the holidays. That brings up memories of the past, moments you probably wish you could go back and relive. All those boxes of old Super 8 film, VHS tapes, slides that you have in the garage. It's time to breathe new life into them. 
the kind that lasts forever. Legacy Box digitizes over 15 types of analog media, so you can get your favorite memory saved forever. It's time's running out on these old formats. They are not meant to last. Relive your most important memories. Take advantage of Legacy Box's biggest sale of the year. This is going away soon. Get it now. It would be a great thing for the holidays to go through the pictures and figure out which ones you're going to send. Look at all the videotapes or the uh, film reels and send them in together and and view them together on Christmas. Legacybox.com slash Beck. Legacybox.com slash Beck. Early access to their Black Friday sale. Get started uh, digitizing your memories right now at Legacybox.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. Are you uh, creating a new Chinese virus that yes, you're releasing on us here I'm in sorry. the studio today? Jeez, I'm sorry. What is what was up with? You? I don't know. I, last night I was just uh, I, I felt like all of a sudden I had uh, allergies or something. My throat just started to close up. Oh, well, thanks for coming in and sitting in a small room no, with I, me all day. I, feel I appreciate fine. that. That's great. I think it's an allergy. Oh well, you've died. No, you're 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 a doctor. <laughs> I am. Yeah, you you came. You got your da- got a doctorate right. on, in humanities. So and you can... I'm a human. You're a human. So I know everything there needs to be known about humans. <laughs> Not exactly how that works. Uh, but I do. I, I like uh, Vivek's uh, position on digital currencies. Um, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything in there that I really disagreed with him uh, on. Uh, he, uh, I, I agree with him on the on the. Uh, the, the privacy concerns when it comes to Nikki Haley's new yeah. proposal on it's not good no look because because it's just it's a bit complicating because I do think it would improve the sure civility would. I mean it would be it I would for example sign up to a um a, a social, social network where you had I, to. I was going everyone on the social network was verified and had their real names I actually would think that would be a valuable service I would I like too. it uh, but forcing the government the government forcing these companies to do it That's absolutely not idea. get out of get out idea. get out of there yeah the government shouldn't be involved in uh, all i also like the idea that the next generation steps up i mean it, it is time for the next generation to step up he's like two generations well i mean he's some not people that... would argue as he points out of course the founders were very young when they signed the how old is desantis he's not much older no it's true he's in his what mid early to mid 40s 40s and he's in his mm-hmm. late 30s you think, yeah i guess that's I, so they're in the i think they're in the same generation mm-hmm. and uh and desantis joins us here in just a second we're going to talk to him all these youngsters and, uh, running for president amen yeah thank you you know once they both serve their terms they go to the private sector then uh serve on several charitable board, boards then they can be qualified to run for senate uh, that, that's at that point uh, or just in their work 80s for or the 90s military industrial <laughs> conference right? all right the main reason why i feel it's necessary to prepare for disaster why i come on this program to encourage you to look into things like putting some of your money into gold and silver is because i'm a student of history i've seen how certain things especially really bad things tend to happen over and over again down through time they don't always happen exactly the same way but they rhyme Always. You got to be you got to be concerned about where we are as a nation. You don't want to be caught off guard when things go wrong in times of economic uncertainty. Wisdom calls for diversifying and and uh, stability. Now, here's why I 
believe Goldline is the best people you should call. Goldline uh, has been in business for 60 years. There's a bunch of people that come. They're fly by night. These guys watch over everything to make sure it's right. You know, they're one of the only ones, if not the only one, that actually says, we don't think you should put more than 10, maybe 20% of your money into gold or silver. They are really ethical people that I would love for you to call and find out about Goldline at 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. And it's blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We want to welcome Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, presidential candidate, of course, the governor from Florida. Governor, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Glenn? Uh, I am great. Good to talk to you. Um, You know, one of the things that I think uh, I I don't understand, because everybody likes you. I mean, you're a great governor. Everybody really likes you. Um, And you, you have to close the deal here on why you are better than Donald Trump. What is the disconnect, or can you connect that with people? Why are you better than Donald Trump? Well, I think we are in the process of doing that in these early states. I mean, I think a few things. One, um, I'm more likely to actually get elected, which you see with me winning Florida by 20 points. Uh, yeah. He was not able to do that. Uh, number two, uh, I can serve two terms. He'd be a lame duck on day one. Number three, he's not going to be able to recruit uh, really strong personnel mm-hmm. to fill the administration. I'd have hundreds of people that would be willing to come to Washington to help turn the screws on the D.C. swamp and to get this bureaucracy. Um, in line. Uh, Four, uh, I'll be focused on your issues. I don't have issues that are going to distract me. My sole focus will be on uh, this country uh, reversing America's decline. Five, I'm the only one running, Donald Trump or others. Everything I promised my voters I would do, uh, I delivered on 100% of the promises. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, can't say that. Um, You know, didn't build the wall with Mexico paying for, didn't drain the swamp, didn't eliminate the debt. Uh, So we will go in there and I'm, I, I've a bold agenda. We put out a lot of great stuff, but I have a, a, a plan to actually accomplish all of this stuff uh, when I get, when I take office. And I think it's really important because th- this is not about the show. This is not about entertainment. The future of our country is going to be determined about whether we can produce the type of results that we need to get us on a fundamentally uh, better path going forward. And so uh, for all those reasons and, and, and others, uh, I'm the choice. Uh, and, you know, you just think what I tell people, Glenn, is I can make all these promises and I do have a record of delivering. But I think forward eight years, January of 2033, if I'm ready, mm. if I'm handing off the baton to a, hopefully a worthy successful, what am I going to be able to tell you and the American people that we've actually accomplished? And we're going to be able to say we've restored the American dream. We've whipped inflation, interest rates. We have energy, security, independence. We've we've uh, reversed Bidenomics. We'll be able to say our sovereignty has been restored. No more Mexican drug cartels running the show. No more fentanyl poisoning tens of thousands of Americans every year. We're going to say that we We've uh, fended off the threat from the Chinese Communist Party in the 21st century. America is still the dominant uh, power in the world. We'll be able to say that our schools are about educating kids, not indoctrinating kids, including our universities, because we will have done things through accreditation to change the tide there. We'll be able to say whether you live in a red state or a blue city. 
criminals are going to be held accountable for their crimes again. We're not going to let the inmates run the asylum and the rule of law will be restored. And then finally, but not least, we will have restored the Constitution to the central role in American life. No more unaccountable bureaucracy imposing its will on us, weaponizing against us. Uh, It's going to be a limited government that is going to be conducting itself in accordance with the founders' vision. And if we can say all that, then we'll be able to say we've restored what President Reagan called a shining city on a hill. Okay, I think that's uh, I mean, that's pretty comprehensive. Very good. You brought up something at the very beginning where you said he's going to have a hard time uh, finding people for position. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's like 40,000 appointments to be made. And you have to be way ahead of that in the first place. And I think you are um, already looking, you know, initially just taking a look at who would serve uh, and where you would put people and who needs to be where. Um, but the press has done so much damage to Donald Trump that, I mean, they're putting his lawyers, you know, on trial and going to jail. Uh, nobody wants to represent him. And like you said, is he going to be able to get the people around him? How important is yeah. it, those 40,000? Yes. I mean, so who's going to be like the FBI director? I've said we're going to have a new one on day one. Donald Trump said the jury's still out on Christopher Ray. I don't think the jury's still out. I think we need a new one. You'll have that. You'll have a, an attorney general that's going to spit nails and it's going to have a, a spine of steel. And all those are important. But as you know, Glenn, we have a fourth branch of government that has developed over many decades right. and they don't even care about the elections and they're going to do what they want. The only way you can successfully corral that is if you have people two, three, four, five rungs down who you're appointing who are going to be able to turn the screws on there. And I will be exerting the Article 2 authority the necessary to do it in ways other presidents have. You know, we're going to take the 40,000, 50,000 uh, policy role bureaucrats. We're going to take them out of civil service entirely, put them as Schedule F. They can be uh, terminated at will. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of different things, but you have got to have that. And you can't just recycle people from right. within the D.C swamp. You and I'm going to inspire people. And I actually say this on the campaign trail. Uh, I want people from Texas and Utah and Wisconsin and, and all these places. Pick up your family, two years, four years, six years, eight years, whatever you can do. You're on a mission to return this government to its rightful owners. We, mm-hmm. the people, and you got to inspire people uh, up and down the, the rung of that. And we will do that. And yes, there are very good people involved right now in collecting tens of thousands of resumes uh, from around the country. What I'll do is um, at the end of the, uh, the spring, uh, we'll just do the transition starting then. And, and that's going to be a huge part of it. So you're going to have three things, really. You're going to have the personnel that need to be ready to go. Number two, you're going to have all the whatever executive actions you're going to take. A lot of that will be just be repealing Biden's stuff. And then three, the legislation, working with the members of Congress so that's ready to go. Some of that will just be normal things we all want to see. But some of it, you've got to fit in this Senate budget reconciliation vehicle. That's how Biden was able to do all his stuff. He had 50 senators and he did all this stuff. You know, when are Republicans ever out kicking their coverage? I mean, we hope underperform in Washington. So we're going to have a mindset on that. And I think Biden abused reconciliation, uh, but we're going to jam a lot of stuff in budget reconciliation, which is going to be very good uh, for the country. But, and I think, you know, as a student of history, I think you'd agree with this. You can serve eight years, 
But you really only have limited windows to really strike and get yeah. a lot of big things done with Congress. You don't have a full eight years. There's an ebb and flow. You come in as a newly inaugurated president, and, and you got wind at your back, and you got 100 days, 150 days. Then, you know, they go on August recess. Then maybe have, you know, a couple spurts, spurts over the first two years. Then they have the midterm election. Then Congress can change maybe that. Then maybe you get a little shot with the new Congress. Then it's the re-election. Then you get re-elected. It's kind of a crescendo. You get six, nine months where you get to do your second term agenda. Then they start worrying about the midterm and then you're a lame duck the last two years. So in eight years, you know, you're talking about probably uh, 12 to 18 months that you really have chance to strike. And so you've just got to be ready on day one and we will be. Okay, let me uh, change the subject. Um, I know I wanted to talk to you about all of the wars that are going on and strategy to avoid it. But I I want to take you to the uh, border crossings. By the time you would be elected president, there'll be over 10 million people in this country that just came across our borders. We have no idea who there were. Uh, 250 or 240,000 came just last month. Again, there's more on the way in caravans. We know that these are people uh, from uh, some really dangerous countries like Iran who, you know, are terrorist nations. Do you expect to see terrorism and what should be done um, to to thwart it? Are you worried about it? Of course. I mean, I think the Israel attack, Hamas's attack on Israel focused more and more Americans on, okay, wait a minute. Israel's got some of the strongest border security in the world, and yet this happened there. We have a border where anybody's coming across, and you're right, Iran, Russia, China, Middle Eastern countries, they're coming across. Our own government acknowledges people on their own terrorist watch list are coming across, and that's just who we know about, and we know there's a lot of people coming who we don't. So I said in the debate, uh, the elites in D.C., they've left you and your family exposed to drugs uh, going in your community and terrorism, and the media's like, oh, there's no terrorists coming across the border. Glenn, what are the odds you could have 8 million people? people uh, with more and more every day, as you pointed out, and there not be a potential terrorist. Of course there are. This is a major vulnerability for our country. So I've said, we got to send all these people back. And that's going to require a concerted effort. It's going to require something similar to what Eisenhower did in the 1950s. But we have just put ourselves in a terrible predicament with terrorism, but even with just criminal aliens who've come across the border, uh, our country's less safe and secure as a result of it. And if you never are willing to send people back, then you're going to continue having different waves of this uh, all throughout the future. I'm uh, doing a show tonight on what is being said to the Russian people and to the Iranian people. And it is shocking, Governor. It is it is shocking. They are talking exactly the same language. End of times, Antichrist. You'll never guess who both Russia and and uh, Iran think is the Antichrist. The language is really disturbing. And the way it is being sold, I'm very concerned about it coming in through the back door and being sold to Americans going, you know, they really have a point. Um, Nikki Haley uh, the other day said that uh, she wanted um, verification of everybody who was on social media and uh, open uh, access to be able to see the algorithms. What is your thought on that? So 
enforcing disclosure of names and registration. That's what China has done. China did that recently. Uh, that is totally inappropriate for the United States of America. I mean, Glenn, we've lived through this age of cancel culture. You can lose your job if you're a conservative. You can you can have things done to you. Uh, there's a role for anonymous speech. The Federalist Papers were writ- written anonymously by Madison Jay and Hamilton. That's a long tradition in our country. Uh, but what it what it would do, I think, is open the door for a social credit system. Uh, she is somebody I think is in favor of things like a central bank digital currency. Uh, I oppose central bank digital currency. In fact, I've signed legislation in Florida prohibiting the use of CBDC in our state because I think the Fed may try to do it unilaterally. They do not have the authority to do that. Congress, if they did it, I don't think they would. I think that that would trump our state law. But but anyways, I've said as president on day one, CDBC dies. It's dead. We're not doing it in the United States of America. So this is something that is totally unacceptable. I just think it shows uh, uh, you don't know what time it is if you're trying to uh, saying that we need your names on all this stuff. So I was honestly, I wasn't surprised she said it because I think that's just who she is. uh, But it was totally out of bounds of what would be acceptable in the Republican Party. Great to have you on, Governor. Thank you so much. RonDeSantis.com if you want to get involved in the campaign. Find out more information. It's RonDeSantis.com. Thank you, Governor. Thanks, Glenn. Take care. You bet. Bye-bye. With the holiday gift-given season ahead, keeping all these Internet-connected presents uh, safe from cyber thieves uh, should be the top of your mind. Everything is online. Everything is Internet-connected. There's some say, uh, things you can take, some steps that will protect your computer phones, smartwatches from attacks. Turning off, you know, device listening is one, but do you really believe that when you do that to your phone? Anyway, nobody can prevent all identity theft and monitor all transactions and all businesses. But you can help protect, protect your information and your identity with LifeLock by Norton. They're the best in the business. And right now, you can save 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Again, use the promo code BECK for 25% off. It's LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Those are two great presidential interviews. Yeah. They really were. Those guys. Not your part, but their parts were great. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I mean, th- those those guys, I mean, just in the first question with, with Ron DeSantis, wow. Yeah, that was really interesting. And your question was interesting, too, because I think it's a- it's accurate. Like, you look at the polling, like, everybody likes Ron DeSantis in the Republican primary electorate. Like, they like him. They think he's done a really good job. He's a great governor. And yet, you see the polling. He's behind by a decent amount and certainly nationally and, and even in these early states. Donald Trump has a visceral connection yeah. to Americans. I think, you know, I think you're right. I, I, there's some, there's like an emotional bond like it's almost like the way you'd say like, hey, we've been through a, a bunch and I'll always have your back. It's, it's honestly, I think I bet it is a lot like, you know, when you were in uh, the Hanoi Hilton, you know, when you were a prison of war camp and the guy who yeah. was in the next, we, we have a bond. We have a bond. We'll be together yeah. forever. It's almost like that. Like, you know, you look, think of all the stuff in multiple impeachments, you know, 
the the election and you know a lot of people feel that there's you know it was taken from him right so like yeah. it was he didn't even get his fair chance for a second term that's definitely the vibe of of many many of the voters and and, and he's also an underdog he is also representative mm. in people's minds i think of them because i the guy I, that is always getting crapped on I challenge anybody who listens to this show, to who's who thinks about the Constitution every day, to listen to that interview with Ron DeSantis in particular, and 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 go ahead claim he wouldn't be a good president. I, I don't think anyone in the audience can deny that he would be a good president. But it's it's almost like that's not how the decision's necessarily being made. They might say, "Hey, DeSantis will be a great president in 2028." But hey, Ron, you know Donald Trump is my guy, and I'll kind of be with him until he's not there anymore. It feels like it almost it's everyone keeps saying I hear this online a lot like oh Ron DeSantis Vivek Ramaswamy you know Nikki Haley they're running these campaigns they're floundering they're doing all these things I don't know is it even doable like is it doable in this time with this guy with this with this voting uh, base where like if there's that an emotional bond you kind of can't break it it's like you know I it's, you know, I'll always love that old girlfriend. I'll always be thinking about that old girlfriend. That one crazy trip we had back in the day. Like, yeah, the new girlfriend, she might be prettier and she might be smarter and she might be, you know, more accomplished. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the old girlfriend that I remember. So, and I feel like there's, some, there's something go, that goes on with Donald Trump that is. is different than anyone else in the field. Be and I don't know if you can break it. So here's the thing. I, I personally think the Democrats think they can beat Donald Trump. Yep. Okay. They do. So they want Donald Trump as the candidate mm -hmm. and what they're doing. I mean, you talk about a win-win you get Donald Trump to be the candidate by persecuting him because mm -hmm. people relate to that and they don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was a good president, you know, generally speaking, he, he did some amazing things. So you have that. But then also, if they do win, put him in jail or whatever, what is the reaction of half the country? My God. I mean, they are just driving you deeper and deeper into that. Mm. And they know what they're doing. It's really, it's really evil. Really evil. The Glenn Beck Program.